Welcome in, welcome in, welcome once again to another edition of Three In, Three Out. I remain your fired up host, Clinton Bonner. Oh, we are in some like Seahawks Valhalla, if you will. And joining me, of course, is the one, the only, Brandon Schultz. Brandon, how you doing after a big W on a big stage on Monday Night Football? Not only are the Seahawks 10 and 2, Clinton, but they're now first place in the NFC West. They're second place in the conference, and we get to watch the 49ers and Saints face off this coming weekend. And it's and it's almost no wrong answer as to who wins and loses that game. Incorrect. There's an absolute wrong answer to that, but that's okay. That, that that's that's okay. That's why I we can, can have this, spin this it either way. Don't tell me that there's a right or a wrong answer. I want to be able to. I want to reserve the right to spin that game however I want to feel once the game is over, uh, especially after the Seahawks get a win coming up against the Rams. But we're not talking about next weekend. We're talking about this weekend and not even this weekend. This Monday night, as the Seahawks get the 37 to 30 win over the Vikings. And correct. We are 10 and two and I'll circle back to your inaccuracies later. And, and there's a clear team we should root for, but that's okay. We'll get, we'll get to that later. We'll, we'll close with that later after some from the flock. So once again, I'm Clinton Bonner. You could find me on Twitter at Clinton Bon. And of course, Brandon, where could the good folks follow you and find out all about all the pods you're putting out? Follow at Seahawkers Pod on Twitter. And of course, if you want to get the Field Goals podcast, all the ones that we put out throughout the week, you can go to SBNation.com slash NFL podcasts. Excellent. All the golden era of Seahawks content. It keeps streaming. This week kind of had it all, right? This was a, was a beautiful Seahawks W. There was there was tons of offense. There was some boomy defense. There was a baby Yoda all over Twitter. This just felt so fun. It, it felt quite Seahawky at times. And did we mention we're 10 and 2? Brandon, here's the thing, right? For those that don't know three in, three out, we like to delve in. Listen, there were some some mega moments in this game that were just some some blunders. We had the Russ Wilson. Karch Karai fiasco where he tried to volleyball the thing and that got picked for six. But we're not going to talk about that on three and three out. We like to dive a little bit deeper. We call them the nooks. We call them the buttery crannies. We like to get into the moments that made up the game. We don't have a lot of rules though. We like to keep it loose. We like to have the sober yin, the raging yang. But Brandon, there is one essential rule to three and three out. What is the rule? When the Seahawks get the win, Clinton Bonner and I, we start with an in. We start with an in. That's the only rule. And what? How many? What is this now? How many in a row? Is this five? Five in a row? I feel like this is five in a row because I, I feel I like fe- the whole drinking game, the Seahawks five and two drinking game, started at five and two, and and it's just been on a roll since then. I have been drunk. All right, Brandon, you know, if we're binging here and we're binging on some Seahawks love, we got some delicious ins to to get into. We got that rule. We're going to start with an in, Brandon. We talked about this last week. I asked a simple question. I said, hey, actually, I answered it myself. I do that sometimes. But I asked and I answered and said, hey, if you had a dial and you had to move the dial more towards the 2013 season or away from the 2013 season, how does this team feel to you? I answered it last week. Brandon, how does it feel to you? Are we trending towards 2013 or away? Ooh, it's trending toward, especially when even looking at the record, it just it feels like that same type of season, that same type of magic, you know, having the last season where, uh, you know, the, the team wasn't quite there and now they're putting it together at just the right time, at just the right moment and going into December when they, they could keep going on this streak uh, toward week 17. 
Uh, I agree. I, I'm, I'm with you 100% every week. We're like inching more towards that type of team. And to me, there was one play where I was like, oh my goodness, Brandon, the boom is back. I am, of course, talking about Diggs. Diggs is hit. Like, let's set the scene. It's it's the second quarter, about eight minutes to go. It's seven to seven. Vikings got out hot. We bounced right back. And then it kind of, you know, quieted down a little bit. And Cousins does a little dump off pass. I think it was... Who's number 30? The guy who fumbled late in the game. Is that a, no, is it him? The, the pass was to Irv Smith, the, the backup tight end. Irv the Turv Smith. That's it. The, <laughs> so pass, pass to, to the Turv. And he does like, he's, you know, he's doing a little dosy do He's kind of dancing with KJ Wright. And KJ's just like, listen, you're not getting by me. Then another corner, I think it might have been Flowers. I'm not even sure. Kind of creeps into the picture. And then, you know, off of screen left, comes digs like a missile. And as Irv the Turv tries to make a little move inside upfield, Diggs just lays a lick and brings his hat. Brandon, it was the kind of hit you could feel through the screen. You certainly could hear it. I, it was the j- first for me, jump out of, out of the couch moment. I had my Zima in hand and I'm like, oh my goodness, Diggs just took that dude's soul. So that was to me, man. The boom was back. I was like, holy crap, was that the ghost of Chancellor? That was a huge hit. This team is dialing towards 2013. And I got to tell you, man, Diggs is a big reason why. For me, Brandon, that's in number one. I loved it. And listening to Pete Carroll doing his Pete Carroll show on 710 ESPN in the morning, he mentioned this one. He mentioned this as his favorite play of the night in this game. So not only on your ledger for an in, it's on Pete Carroll's personal in ledger. That's pretty nice. I mean, I would imagine, you know, Pete's ledger is a little bit, a little bit sloppy. He's got like gum everywhere. It's like held together by things like that. But, but for him to have that as like his favorite play, it just validates everything we're feeling about that play. Well, and this was Diggs' best game as a Seahawk, really. If you if, if you go by the numbers in terms of tackles, yes, he had the interception in his first game on the field against the 49ers. He had a fumble recovery against Philly. So so no turnover worthy plays in this game, but just he had that that gigantic hit on Smith. And, and then to, to have four tackles, he did miss a couple tackles, but uh, I know that was not just Diggs with that particular issue, but uh, a, a solid game for Diggs on the night. And when you have a guy on the back end that can have that kind of impact and make those big plays, it definitely feels you know, like you said, the dial is turning back toward 2013. Yeah, and I thought that you and Alistair did a great job in the recap, uh, the recap show on field goals. You talked specifically, or maybe Alistair brought it up and said, you know, the the way that Diggs has kind of solidified center field is also allowing McDougal to kind of go back to his form from last year too. So we're seeing a, a braver, bolder McDougal now, and the Hawker is just spreading the confidence is there. And yes, you know, there's a few missed tackles here and there, but it's just that missile effect. It's that dude who comes off, who who jumps off the page when you're watching, but also comes flying off the screen to make tackles. This, listen, is he Earl Thomas? No, he's not Earl Thomas. Maybe he's not all pro, but I don't know. I don't know about what your eyes are telling me, but but Diggs is playing to me. This is like a pro bowl level safety. And we got to do for a fifth rounder, thanks to our wizard of a friggin' GM, John Snyder. One other thing that I think we need to remember is that 
Before Diggs got to the team, Marquise Blair was playing a little bit in there because Tedrick Thompson went down to injury, and we're thinking, okay, well, you know, maybe Blair with him being the second-round pick, this is going to be the guy that that helps make a difference in this defense. And three weeks in, with Diggs playing free safety, I, I haven't heard anybody say, oh, hey, what, what about Marquise Blair? <laughs> Nobody cares. <laughs> And, and yeah, Blair just becomes a player that they could just grow and Pete Carroll could do Pete Carroll things with. I mean, look at Flowers. Look at Flowers in year two. Look at look at Shaq in year three. I mean, it, it was great listening to Pete Carroll's uh, presser. They asked him about the uh, the blown coverage from, the blown coverage from McDougal and if that was kind of okay. And I thought Carroll's answer was fantastic. He's like, he's like, you're asking an old DB coach if that was okay. He's like, no. <laughs> he's like, no. Like that's that's anything but okay. But but Carroll is a magician. So we got a wizard as a GM. And we got a freaking magician uh, from the DB side, and it's a powerful combination. Again, this dialing, it's going. The volume's going to twelve because we're going to twenty thirteen, baby. All right, Brandon. So this is three in, three out. We have to get to the outside, even when we win, even when we start with an in, even though we're ten and two and it's five in a row and the whole thing already. You know, there were some blemishes. There were some things here that you go, man. Oh man, that was kind of ugly. So my first out. You, you hinted at it earlier with a little bit of uh, digs, missed tackles. It's not so much the digs, missed tackles. It's not so much the some of the other missed tackles. It's For me, it's that it's that slow defensive start. We got the ball first. We punt the ball. The Vikings get it. And then, you know, it was almost like back-to-back. KJ has a pretty bad whiff right on the fullback. That play went for, what, 36 yards? KJ has a dude just square. Now, is that Ham? Is, am, I, am I in the right, that was right ham. zone now? Yep. That's Ham. Okay. Okay. All I know from Ham is that he fumbled the fringe ball later when when Travis Homer popped him. So Ham, you could go, you know, take a break because you fumbled the last play of the game. But in that particular instance, Ham with his electric speed, I don't know what that guy has, but KJ just misses. 36 yards later, I'm like, oh, here we go. And then a couple of plays after that, Diggs has that whiff. I think that was actually on the touchdown. And they march right in. Cook hits the early score. And I'm like, damn, seven nothing early. So Hey, we bounced right back. We won this game. But but for me, Brandon, those those early missed tackles, we just didn't look crisp until we kind of got going a little bit. Yeah, big plays allowed on that first drive by the Vikings. Of course, there was the yeah, the 36-yard catch by Ham where KJ, gosh, he would have had him for a loss if right. if he's just able to hold on to his feet and, and Ham wiggles away and and picks up all the yardage. I don't know there just wasn't anybody on that side of the field to to pick up uh, and make that tackle until 36 yards down the field and then Diggs uh, with the 27-yard run uh, on on the handoff and nearly getting in the end zone and, and making dudes miss. So two explosive plays by the Vikings on that drive and ends with the Dalvin Cook touchdown. And yeah, it, it was missed tackles were a big part of it. Yeah. And I think, you know, again, it's one of these things where we win the game and we actually could have won this game going away, if not for three pretty large blunders. And still with that, we got to tackle better, got to clean that up. I mean, I'll give this first one to KJ. Thought KJ played a pretty darn good game. But if you have a fullback wrapped up and this is not Roger Craig and this is not, you know, this is not Max Strong. We're not talking about that era of running back, halfback, fullback type dudes. This is freaking Corey the Ham Ham we're talking about here. (laughs) Wrap the dude up, KJ. Make a tackle. Make a tackle for a loss or right around the line of scrimmage. And don't let that crap happen. Okay, Brandon, back on over to the fun side, the inside, the the, the side worth celebrating. 
Brandon, I saw some things in this game that that got me peaked. I, I don't know about you, but how did you feel? Let's just start with this this little this preface. How did you feel about our run game? How did you feel about watching us do what we wanted to do? Whether it was Carson, whether it was Penny, how did you feel in general about our run game against the Vikes? I I just don't see it working any better for this team. And I mean, gosh, for Carson to have twenty three attempts, Penny to have fifteen attempts. And really, for the Vikings to have no answer, four and a half yards per carry for Carson, almost five yards per penny, and then you have them both catching passes out of the backfield. Both backs racked up nearly, you know, it was easily over 200 yards from scrimmage. Penny and Carson looking just about as, as good as you could imagine. 100% there. And we talked earlier about like, hey, dialing back to 2013. Well, you know, there was a couple of plays where I was like, wait a second, are we, dial- are we dialing this thing back to 2005? There was a play, Brandon. We're down 14-7. It's late in the second quarter. We got that drive going on. This is the drive that ends up resulting in the field goal when it goes 14-10. Then we give up the three to make it 17-10. And that wasn't cool. But during that drive, there was this one play where Brown gets out on his dude on the left-hand side and he flattens his guy. He pancake breakfast this dude. And I'm sitting there going, I mean, listen, I know Brown is like an all pro, pro bowler, all the levels you want to talk about. And, and even with that, I've never once been like, oh, you know, Brown's as good as Walter Jones, because we're talking about like Mount Rushmore of, of linemen when you talk about Walter Jones. Brown took his dude so friggin' far out of it. I was like, wait a second. Am I going to see Sean Alexander trucking around the end here? Nope. It was Penny. He showed a little patience too, waiting for Brown to just truck his guy that much, put him on his back. Penny goes off for a nice run down the left-hand side. And Brandon, if we're getting in that way back machine, that felt like some Walter Jones mean streak 2005 stuff and Brown with the pancake breakfast. That was another big, (laughs) big, big in. I loved it. I love running the ball. I don't care if it's Carson. I don't care if it's Penny. When you do it behind a block like that, it just doesn't matter. You pancake a dude, you're going to have a good time. Brown gets the pancake and Brown gets the in uh, for the second in of the night. And I'm so glad that you you picked this particular play because I, I'm i still a little bit frustrated that we can't have pancakes as a stat in the NFL. Linemen get almost no love if you give them a stat like you give sacks to defensive linemen. you got to put this on there. And that way, linemen, we have a way to measure them in terms of their, their, really, their greatness level because I know... If you go back and you you look at those for Walter Jones and Steve Hutchinson, you know they're racking up those stats. So let's let's make pancakes as a stat happen. I I love this call to action. I think like you know Lyman for pancakes org or something <laughs> of that nature has to happen. It could be dot uk for our flockers over the UK. Whatever we got to do, but I'm with you, man. Lyman for pancakes. And it brings, it opens up everything. Not only is it about the money because the sack becomes the money thing, but also there's this little thing that, you know, I don't know, like several million people, actually tens of millions, maybe even like a billion people play called fantasy friggin' football. Sacks matter. Sacks, you rack those things up, whether you're individual defensive playing or you got a defense, you, you know, you selected the Seahawks and you're watching them get home and you're racking up points. 
I'm with you, man. Those pancake breakfasts, those should be racking up some points. You draft a dude like, like Brown and he gets the pancake. You should earn some dough for that because Brown sure is. And I am passionate about this. I like where you took this, Brandon. It's not just about that one play, but it's about all linemen out there doing what's right for them, doing what's right for the game. Give them that stat. Give them that pancake. All right, Clinton. Well, since you're behind this so strongly, I am going to go to my domain name registrar and and sign up for linemanforpancakes.org. And I need a little bit of time to do that. So let's take a break. We'll come back and we'll finish this out. All right, perfect, Brandon. Thank you. And now that we are like an established 4013C and you just go there, folks, linemanforpancakes.org. Just donate. Just just throw it in. We'll see. We'll go into the coffer. It'd be like a big community trough. We'll do something with it later. But it's, you know, it's a tax write-off, or maybe it's not. Don't listen to me at all. <laughs> but but please, but please visit visit the website. It'll be it'll be a lot of fun. But okay. So we had a lot of fun. We're on, we had the ins there, Brandon. But again, we, we always got to, we do have this balance in life and we're back on the outside of the ledger. Okay. So I, I got this one. I know it's particular and I know for the most part, we shut down Cook and I know it might seem like a, a, a little something, but, but this is what three in, three out is really all about. Okay. Let's paint the scenario here. Like Bob Ross, you know, laying the landscape out there where, where he got the dark and he touches a little bit of light and you go, Holy crap, where'd that rock come from? The man's a magician. So speaking of this, it's third and six. We're painting this. It's seven, seven. We're back in the second quarter. And you know, my, my memory might be a little bit fuzzy. I had a white claw. Then I had a Michelob ultra and then I had a second Michelob ultra. So by this point, my, my memory's a little fuzzy, but it's third and six and nobody covers cook. Zero, like not, not one person, nobody moves with him in motion. Nobody decides that he's an important player. It was almost like Carol saying Kamara, you know, Kamara doesn't matter. And they get the easiest conversion of the night. And at this point we had just let them march down the field, go up seven. They're, they're back. They got the ball that in the second quarter now, and on a third and six, we're not covering a dude out of the back. And I'm like, is that a blown assignment? Is nobody, are we just not paying attention to their most dynamic player coming out of the backfield? It was a head scratcher to me. I know it might seem small, but Brandon, did you see that play? Is, is that is that sparking any memories for you? It was a little bit of a head scratcher, but Cook did run a, a little bit of a, a route on that to where he faked toward the inside and then went toward the sidelines. So it was it was Bobby Wagner's responsibility. I think Wagner ultimately made the tackle on that play, but definitely the easiest conversion imaginable because there wasn't a dude within about 10 yards of him when Cousins delivered the pass to him. So it was it was definitely frustrating, especially on third down. Yeah, you're looking at, at maybe covering Diggs. You're maybe looking at Rudolph. But of those three guys, you know it's going to Cook, Rudolph, or Diggs on an important third down like that. And, you know, and good job by Minnesota getting a matchup that's going to win for them. But I think calling that like, a, a, I mean, obviously the dude ran a route, he caught the ball, but like calling that like, you know, a, a real route was like, it just, it was like the guy just did like a flaccid out, you know, it was just <laughs> like, oh yeah, yeah, that's, he didn't even really break in. It was just like, okay, here we go. It's like, he's just wide open, which again, we're, we're picking some nits in, in a game that was ultimately close. However, again, I really felt Brandon, this is a blowout of a game. If we get rid of the, if we get rid of the real slop, right? We don't, if we get rid of Metcalf's fumble, if we get rid of the Karch Karai from, from Russ, uh, what was the third real? Oh, and the, the McDougal blown one. Those are monster things that we're not going to talk about. 
about. And if you just swipe those aside, I know, I know you just can't do that in, in the football game. I feel we're going to clean it up at some point, but this game was on the verge of being a really, really big blowout. Those are just some mental things that went wrong or just some bad luck in the case of the volleyball scene. That's just, that is what it is. What, what are you going to do there? But, but something like this, man, you know, I, there are other teams that I feel like that goes on tape and they go, well, there's third down, you know, third and three, third and four, third and five. Like that, that play was uncontested and it just, it still irks me. You know, even though we won, I'm still irked by the fact that that cannot be that simple for their best player who is Dalvin Cook on a, in a third and six situation. Can't be that simple. Have to make that harder. Got to be better than that. All right, Brandon, we are back on that third, that big inside the ledger. Brandon, I got, I got one for you. For those who don't recognize this, I volley these things over to Brandon. He doesn't know what the heck I'm going to say. I'm talking about white cloth for crying out loud. <laughs> Brent, you know, we, we get on, we, we open up the, the little recorder that he uses. It's, it's a wonderful thing. Uh, we have a little discussion about the game and then we just go and I'm peppering Brandon with these. He has no, he has no idea what I'm going to bring to him, but I, but I also like to, it's not so much surprise him, but I, it's almost like I want to say the things that also makes Brandon happy. Like I want, I want to, I want to offer some up where he goes, I'm so glad you picked that. So Brandon, I think I got one for you here, right? So we are at 20 to 17. It's four minutes to go late Q3. It is second and 15. I thought this was the most significant and one of the biggest plays of the game. This is Ziggy Ansa coming up and getting a huge a uh, blocked pass on second and 15 to make it third and 15. They do like an 11 yard dump the next play and they got to pump the ball. We get the ball back. And that's when we go up by 10, we go up 27 to 17 on the next drive. That answer play, he breaks in, he gets his big friggin' arm in the way. And that's second and 15 to make it third and 15, which I think Booger mentioned was their longest of the entire evening. They could not convert. They had a punt. That answer play was huge. Big, big in for me was that play by Ansa knocking that ball down. I, I love that this is all about me and you trying to find find the nooks and crannies that you know that I'm going to, that I was also into in this game. And it's yes, true. especially, you know, when it's Ziggy Anza, a guy who, you know, through the, what, the first eight, nine, ten weeks of the season, he was on the outside of the ledger multiple times. So I, I like that you, you're taking these guys that, that maybe you were tough on earlier and saying, hey, now this is what we expected from you. He gets the batted pass. He has, you know, a pretty solid game. He gets three pressures overall. Uh, Jaron Reed had the, the most pressures of the night with six, but it was yeah. Ziggy Anza at number two. And the, the fact that he helped put the Seahawks in a good position to and, and put the Vikings in a bad position on third down to try and convert a third and 15, it, uh, that was a big play of the night. And, and to me, it's, it's one of those things, too, where we don't see it that often. I, I, I don't know if it's something that we just don't, train for or don't coach up that much. I kind of just think other teams, and maybe this is just uh, just my viewpoint and a story I'm making up in my head, but I feel like in years past and maybe in this year a bit too, that we just don't bat a lot of balls down. We don't do that that often. And it, it's even more than just an incomplete pass. It is a it is a denial of your right to move the ball forward. Like, no, 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 you had no shot. It is an emotional, you know, punch to the gut. It's not exactly on the same level as a sack, but you knock a ball back in a quarterback's face, you know, <laughs> except for when he tries to go up and of course spike it back down. But we won't, you know, we won't go there. But it, it is a big emotional drain in this particular case, getting him to third and 15 and then and then making the big tackle to make a punt. I was fired up and you're totally right. 
you know, Ansa is, he's just, he, it seems to me like he's just kind of Godzilla who's, who's got like another nuclear bomb going off near him. He's just getting stronger. The dude's getting stronger. Now he, he did have that stinger. It looks like he's got some sort of a shoulder or had a stinger. He comes off limping with his arm kind of dragging off. So hopefully he's back. Hopefully he doesn't lose any of that, any of that, uh, that chutzpah that he's, he's now found, but I am fired up for Ansa. Again, we're talking about those dials. It's getting cold and we keep dialing back to 2013. I just see a little bit of Avril coming through that tenacity, that getting the hands in the face. Oh, I don't know. Maybe deflecting Peyton Manning for a certain tip pass that goes back for a pick six by a certain Super Bowl MVP. I don't know. I'm just, I'm feeling kind of fired up about it. <laughs> well, and this is what we've seen from him now for a couple straight weeks. And it coincided with getting more snaps to Shaquem Griffin. So Pete Carroll opening up the competition a little bit and you can you can see how it works. It's pushing guys who might need to be pushed a little bit. And so if that's the case, if that's what's kind of propelling Anza over these last few weeks, hey, Pete Carroll's doing his job. All right, Brandon, we're on to the final out. And you know, sometimes when you win, and we, we, we've been, do we mention we're 10 and 2? We've been winning quite a bit lately. Sometimes when you win, you can have a little bit of, you know, you can have a little fun. You can have a little fun with, the, with that third out there, even in a close game. I don't want to belabor it much more, but in my opinion, this is basically a blowout. This was basically a blowout that we made close on ourselves. Clean it up, and we win this game by probably three touchdowns. So let's have a little fun with that third out, Brandon. How many times can we watch the big man, number 74, fantastic himself? How many times can we watch George Fant go in motion, look so elegant, look so look so regal out there, look like he's about to burst it out and go run, you know, something down the seam or a tight end dump or an out? How many times are we going to get teased with Fant in motion and, and not see an attempt to Fant, and not see him out running a route. The out for me, Brandon, I want to see Fant running a route. I want to see him out there. I want to see him catch it. I want to see him get beyond nine yards and not get tackled by the turf monster. You're telling me in a game where Jerron Brown has time to catch a six-yard pass, one pass for six yards, you're telling me you couldn't have sent that pass to George Fant's way, especially when he's in there for 42 snaps. He's your pro football focus, top-graded player of the week. 42 snaps compared to what did Jerron Brown, What? how many was he even in there for? Nine, nine snaps. So the the disparity there, the fact that that Brown gets a pass, George Fant gets zero. It's unacceptable to me. And absolutely, I don't know who this out needs to go to. If it needs to go to Brian Schottenheimer for not making the play call, I know he was wearing his hat instead of his visor in this game. So you know, maybe that, maybe just that added pressure on the top of his head, not having the his hair allowed yes. to flow freely. Yeah. Maybe that right. had an impact on his play calling duties to why he. He couldn't get the pass to George Fant, why he couldn't call a pass for Fant in this game. Let's get George Fant the ball. Hey, listen, we, this is, I, I love when you throw the math at me. We're talking about five, to, almost five times the snaps, you know, four and a half times the snaps of a Brown. I mean, heck, we could talk about Lockett with only with only three targets and and, and no receptions, of course, and, and we got to get him back on track. I think the dude's still a little banged up. Plus, he was you know throwing up in buckets apparently too with Trey Flowers. But but the whole thing is you know let's let's get Fant the ball. Let's see that. Hey, we were three for six in the red zone. Hey, maybe we mix it up. And you know maybe this is just a Pete thing. Maybe this is Pete and Shoddy. They're putting it on film. And hey, did we have some success with that with the six linemen? This is, by the way, for anybody who hasn't heard three and three out yet. When we win, 
it's very routine. The last out becomes an in. So just <laughs> buckle up and here we go. But I mean, we had those, we had those six linemen, Brandon, and every single time, and we're just mowing them down. I'm like, dude, you guys can't stop us. We are imposing your will. Penny or or Carson is not being touched to two or three yards downfield. And then they're breaking away for two, three extra yards, four or five extra yards. And I love that six-man formation. It was working so well versus the Vikings. So here's my optimism. I think we're putting this on tape. We're putting this on tape. And if week 17 means something, if that's for the whole division, the whole caboodle, we're seeing Fant spiking a ball in the end zone because he catches like a game winner. That's what I'm feeling. Okay, Brandon, we are on to our favorite segment of the the entire week. Of course, this is from the flock. What we do is before the game, we out on Twitter, out on Slack, out in the Facebook Seahawkers pod ring of honor. By the way, if you're not part of this, this entire wonderful, beautiful community, do yourself the favor, go to getintheflock.com, see all the levels in which you be, you can become a patron and get involved. It is such a unique, amazing group of Seahawks fans. And what I do is I go out before the game and say, hey, if you got some ins, you got some outs, hashtag it 3i30, hit me up on Twitter, hit me up on Slack or, or on Facebook. I got some folks IMing me even and texting me. It's all good. I don't care how you get it to, to me or to you, Brandon, but Share with us what your ins and your outs are from the flock, of course. So, Brandon, why don't you why don't you dig into that bag of tricks and pull out an in to get us going? The first in that I've pulled out comes from Ben Morheim, and it is an in getting the ball to start the second half and scoring a touchdown for the first time in 15 games. This was a stat that they I know they said it on the broadcast. My wife said what, and I'm like, no, oh, that can't be right, but apparently so. First time in 15 games that our offense gets the ball to start the second. Well, and they didn't start it, but it was the first possession after the second half started. And that's the first time they get a touchdown coming out of halftime. Holy smokes. It's almost an out. But the fact that they turned it around, it's an in. So thanks to Ben. And thank you, Ben. That's, that's, you know, I, I just would not have guessed that in a million years. We're talking about almost an entire season for a team that, made the playoffs last year is going to make the playoffs this year. And our first drives coming out of the second half have been kind of lame. So that is, that's huge. Cause in this specific case, we needed it being down seven after letting up that late three to the Vikings to end the half. Got to give some love to Tim moon. I got a few here from Tim. He always likes to, to give quite a number of the ins and outs does a great job. going to go with the out first. He goes Wilson playing volleyball with the football, giving up seven points. Tim, I hear you. I, you know, that's what they teach the dudes. And, and, you know, at the, at the end of the day, Wilson's just not all that tall. So it's, you know, he, he tried, he tried his best, but it's, but it's okay. Tim's like, Hey, that old line blasting open holes. We talked about that, especially with that Brown pancake, but yeah, Brandon, those, those, the old line just blasting people, including fans in motion was glorious. I like the honorable mention that Tim brings, uh, letting them play and calling the game pretty consistently as far as the officiating went and yeah, in terms of uh, being consistent, they just didn't really call any penalties. <laughs> so, and I guess I, I appreciate not knowing the uh, officials were really even having an impact. Yeah, they missed some calls. They miss calls every game. Dwayne Brown obviously feels like he had a call, uh, his hands to his face that was missed on a big Russell Wilson sack. But uh, I, I guess I would rather just, yeah, let these guys play rather than make some calls that really don't need to be made. 
I, I love it. That's exactly right. They let them play. And, you know, this, this does tend to happen. As the year wears on a bit, again, it gets into December. The games become that much more meaningful. And I feel like the, the, you know, the whistle, the whistle gets, gets swallowed a little bit more. And they let the boys play a little bit more. And we see a, just a bit more of a more pure brand of football without so many damn flags. So, Tim, good job on that honorable mention. Nicely done. Hey, I got one here, Brandon. This one I really like from Lisa. Lisa, Lisa in Seattle. Lisa, she's amazing. And she always has these, these kind of unique POVs that I think others don't come with. And, and it being three and three out, I really love this. She goes in the defense making digs look like a non-factor. Absolutely. And when she's meant, and when she's talking about Diggs being a non-factor, she's talking about Stefan Diggs, not her own Quandre Diggs. So yeah, correct, the, fact correct. That, the fact that Stefan Diggs, you know, their star wide receiver only having what four catches, 25 yards in this game. Holy smokes. I, I would not have expected uh, our Seahawks defense to hold a guy like Diggs to that few yards and have that little impact that he did. So great job by the defense in this game. Yeah, you got their their one-two punch is Diggs and Cook. Those dudes were, you know, for the most part, yes, Cook had that early touchdown, didn't have that big of a game, fumbled, ended up getting a bit banged up. You know, their two top dudes were were pretty much non-factors. All right, Rudolph had a pretty nice game, had that little uh, alley-oop touchdown. What can you do about that? But yeah, man, we took out their two biggest weapons. And again, this game was really much closer to a blowout than the score indicated. Doug Chancel Harry comes in with an in and says the relentless optimism of this team. They always give us fits and heartache, but I suspect this team always believes they are going to win. And that's an incredible point about the Seahawks team this year because you you sense that belief, you sense that feeling, and you've been getting it all year because they just keep doing it all year when it's in those close games. They're able to pull it out, and whether that's the mindset from Pete Carroll or Russell Wilson or the mind meld between the Wilson and the Pete Carroll, and uh, it, it just works. And so if they can continue to keep that belief going throughout these last four weeks of the season, carry it into the playoffs, there's no telling where this team's going to stop. DCH is a super smart man, and, and this boils down to culture. The culture on this team is right. I mean, look at the job from two years ago. I heard, I saw folks on Twitter talking about Michael Bennett the other day. I think it was even on Facebook, might have been like the UK Seahawkers page. Like, oh, you know, Bennett's not happy in, in Dallas. We should bring we should bring Bennett back. It's like, listen, <laughs> no. You know, Bennett was amazing for the time he was here. We got the best of the dude in his prime. And with that, Carol and Schneider had to do a 180 from that team. At the time, it was painful. At the time, like, I cannot believe we're, we're letting Sherman go. And everybody else said, you know, Thomas eventually, Chancellor got hurt, Averill couldn't come back, Bennett had to go. They cleaned house, and two, two short years later, I mean, we made the playoffs last year, for crying out loud, two years later, we're sitting atop the, we're number two in the NFC and sitting atop the NFC West. It is remarkable. It is all about culture. You could get on Pete for X's and O's and time management, all that, all that other stuff. This team is 10 and two because of the job that Schneider does to get the team ready, the job that Carroll does to get the culture ready, and the job that Wilson does every single week to be the leader that he is. All right, speaking of leaders, we got the Andrew Carson out on Twitter. He's given an out. He says, DK Metcalf fumbling, kept it short and sweet. Andrew, I'm with you. I Listen, I thought Metcalf played a 
played a really, really good game. Once again, for a guy who could only run nines, who could only run straight, I see him doing other patterns. I don't know about you, but I see him doing beautiful slants. I see him doing some wiggle after he gets wide receiver screens. I love what I'm seeing from Metcalf. Metcalf has, I wouldn't even call it an outside shot. I'd call it a pretty darn good shot to breach a thousand yards in his rookie season. But yeah, man, Andrew, he's got to clean up those fumbles. He, he's, he's such a big dude. Got to tuck those away. And he, he just can't have those fumble issues. No doubt about it. You're, you're misreading this one, Clinton, because this isn't an out for DK Metcalf. This isn't out for decaf Metcalf, who is the alter ego of DK. So I, I got I got to make sure this gets directed to the right place. You can put it in the right bin. You, you know, he's and, and the funny part is, Brandon is one thousand and a hundred percent on top of that. Correct, Andrew, <laughs> the Andrew Carson at. Oh my gosh, he 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 fooled me here. I didn't even see it. He did label it decaf Metcalf, which was a hilarious soundbite. I don't even know who the dude with booger is. What's the what's that guy's name with booger? Tessator. Tessator, yeah, there you go, Tessator. The, the, when the Tesseract t- talks about Metcalf, it calls him decaf Metcalf. But at the end of the day, yeah, man, gotta hold on to the ball. Got one from Mike here at MCG2587 on Twitter. Says, ends to Jacob Hollister, who continues to be an important part of the team going forward. Penny again has a great game, and Fant in motion at the line is a sight to behold. Outs, games too close every week, more fumbles, and blown assignments. Well said there for sure. And, and you know, always, always well said. Always, always astute. Of course, we have Dave Bloomquist, Hong Kong Hawk, you know, dialing it up. And if you, if you don't follow Dave on Twitter at Hong Kong Hawk, go check it out. He had a little, a little shimmy after the game where his dog is watching him. It's, it's rather funny. And he's, he's a pretty darn funny dude out there on Twitter. So give the man a follow. But his in, he harkens back to the LOB, talks about the heyday of the LOB and what they brought. Then he says, Hey, these last few weeks, you got green, you got Puna, you got Reed, clowny being clowny. But then he, focus it and says, you know what? But the in is for green. He's saying, I think we all feel this too, that a light bulb has seemed to gone off in green, gone on, if you will. And green is playing out of this world. We absolutely could have talked about green in, in this, in, in this three and three out, Brandon. We did not. We glowed about him last week. And if we're talking about light bulbs going on, green is really emerging as one heck of a player. I mean, you could almost, we almost could have used this as our third out, which could have been an in because uh, 11 snaps that Rasheem Green was on the field and for the impact that he's had, that he had in this game and just 11 snaps, the fact that he wasn't on the field more. What? He was your top graded defensive line. He was your top graded player on defense, according to pro football focus in this game. So yeah, get Rasheem Green in the game more. So that is not a typo. He was really in for 11 snaps. 11 snaps. Wow. I mean, c- comes off the page so much bigger. I I thought the dude probably played 80% of the snaps, you know, just yeah. without without going back and watching it be- because he was so friggin' present clearly when he was on the field. Holy crap. 11, 11 snaps. All right, Bloomquist. That, that, that's, that might be the end of the week right there, dude. Good job. All right. I'll take my own out here as uh, Russ needs some spiking lessons from Misty May Trainer or Karch Karai because that that <laughs> volleyball play of his, that was no spike. I don't know if that was a set. I don't know if that was a dig. All I know is that Russell Wilson doesn't know the difference between the three and which one he needs to be doing in that moment. So an out to Russell Wilson. Yeah, I mean, he, I think he had these illusions of grandeur. I think he had these <laughs> these illusions of Sandra, if you will, where he just he just not not Sandra Bullock, but sand, of course, and the grains and the feeling you feel it on your feet and you're spiking it down. You bury the you bury the biscuit. 
but alas, it was not to be. The thing flutters away, and and then you kind of see Russ crumble in the background when he realizes the mistake he made. You know what though? That that's Russ is going to Russ. So we, we you, we're going to take we're going to take that with Russ because because he's the man. Hey, so he speaking, ma- of the- he made up for it after the game with the the profile pick change to yes. Baby Yoda in the in the Seahawks uh, garb. Got to give love to to Josh Cashman, of course. At at Cable Thanos is is basically a household name at this point in, in Seahawks Twitter and Seahawks social. The dude is amazing with with what he gets people to do. And if, if you don't know, you know now you know. Go back out there, follow Cable Thanos, and check out if if you've seen. Listen, if you listen to this podcast, there's a very good chance your your avatar is now a baby Yoda too. You can go back and and thank Josh Cashman for that, and then. Thank Russell for <laughs> for running with that. And then I'd say the Seahawks too. Whoever runs like Seahawks social media, who was like, hey, we get 33,333 retweets by 1212 tomorrow, and this will be our avatar. And then they stack all the uh, all the Seahawks to count for pro pro bowl votes and they blow past I think like 50,000 so there it's social media love it's baby Yoda who's dominating the day it's a baby Yoda Russ which you can't get a better combo and they get 50 some odd thousand pro bowl votes for all our Seahawks I, I don't know like, what else can you say besides bravo that is that is how you do it all right then we got Schmick at Mickey Swank on Twitter he goes in Penny's emergence as a serious threat excellent burst tough running and great patience. Hey man, I, listen, I had been down on Penny. I, I am, I am coming clean. If you listen to this, you listen for several weeks, maybe, maybe read the articles in years past. I have not been the biggest Penny dude. Even a couple of weeks ago, I was like, we should have taken a third round pick from the lions for Penny. You know what? I am happy to wear this egg on my face. I'm happy to, to, to shout to Michael Paul and say, Michael, I think I was wrong. I think I was wrong. I will lay on top of this. Brandon, I think I said this during the game in the Slack channel too. It's not only that Penny has the shiftiness is looking really good. I actually think Penny might be the better third and one back, not because of the power, but because of his way to kind of be a little bit shiftier, find just enough daylight and go forward for one or two yards where we've actually seen Carson, you know, kind of get tripped up in some third and ones. Is Penny our better short yardage back at this point? It's a question I'm curious about exploring in the weeks coming ahead because really the only one third and one run that Carson had in this game was the one where he kind of took himself out running into his own dude, the friendly fire where he went down. And yeah. I, I was just, I know I know in that particular situation, if Penny would have had the ball, if he puts his foot in the ground and moves upfield, he gets the one yard. I was surprised that Carson didn't get it in that situation. So I'm, I'm kind of looking forward to the fact that maybe we see some Penny in some short yardage situations. And earlier on in the year, I was not excited about that, where now I'm like, okay, yeah, maybe we need to try this out. Yeah, I'm, 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 I'm with you. And so is Jeremy Green. Jeremy sent me the note too. Very, very similar, but he was just loving the combo. He was talking about Penny and Carson being this, this dynamic duo. And then we get that little, that little, uh, little blurb today that came out that said that Carson kind of tapped himself out at the goal line so that Penny could go get that touchdown and that they got this, this love, love thing going in the backfield there where the, these dudes are treating themselves like brothers and just sharing the land. I thought that was pretty cool. So Jeremy came back with that as well. So I want to give some love to Jeremy Green. Hey, if Chris Carson's getting his 23 touches, he could tap himself out anytime to allow Penny to get some too, because if if both your running backs are going up over 200 yards from scrimmage, it doesn't really matter. The important thing is that you're getting both these guys into the game. And uh, yeah, this is that really is what helped define this victory over the Vikings. 
Yeah, and, and one more. I got one more for us, Brandon. I think it's a good one to end on. We got Kevin Dietrich or Dietrich. I'm going to go with Dietrich. More importantly, at Opus4210 on Twitter. He goes in David Wyman's call. Carol, you've got stones. And I'm pretty sure that had to be on the the fake punt to, to Homer. Homer goes for like 29 yards down the sideline. Beautifully executed. Love seeing Homer get the ball. Love the explosiveness. I even love the way Homer finishes that runoff. He's like, no, 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 I'm not going out of bounds. You're not tackling me. Like, you know, I am basically tackling you as I, as I go forward. But, but Kevin calling out Wyman's, uh, you know, we always talk about the Wyman chuckle. You guys call out the Wyman chuckle, but Carol, you've got stones. Hey man, that was, that was, some that was some big, big balls in a big scenario and it was executed beautifully. Yeah, and a great call by David Wyman. And as we get on out of here, Clinton, I know you're going to tell me, you're going to set me straight in terms of who you are rooting for in Saints versus 49ers. And I have to think, just the logic in your brain, it tells you that that the Saints are the team that you want to win in this upcoming weekend against the 49ers. Just just as I try to find these little nuggets that, that make you happy, that, then you're back over here re- reading my mind. Yeah, this is the bottom line. Like if you're a Seahawks fan and if you're listening to this, I would imagine you might be. Listen, this is clear and it is cut. We want the Saints to beat the 49ers and hopefully beat them, you know, really demoralize them a bit. Show show stuff on tape that they could be beaten once again. This is night and day, Brandon. This is nowhere near a philosophical discussion. It is like you got to follow the action green road here. Step one is secure the division. Step two is secure a buy. Step three is secure home field throughout the entire playoffs. We got to go in that order. The biggest thing that disparity between being the five and being the two is such a bigger difference between being the one and the two. It is a no brainer. This is Go Saints, G E A U X. I believe I spelled that right. Go friggin' Saints. Hey, if the Seahawks get the win over the Rams this weekend like they should, if the 49ers get a win over the Saints, I'm going to find a way to spin this into positive news, Clinton, and you can't stop me. I I won't even try to stop you. And with that, Brandon, go to linemanforpancakes.org. It's registered and set up. You could donate now. Linemanforpancakes.org. That is awesome, Brandon. And with that, there's only one thing left to say. Go Hawks. Go Hawks. (laughs) 